0: Buenos dias. Hey, you passed 101. Como están? Oh, 102. Hey, you're doing real good. Super. Good to be here. After some time of not being back to Claremont Bible Chapel, what an opportunity and a blessing. This morning was a tremendous time sharing about the Lord and who He is, right? Just think about it. Last Supper, Judas, Peter, both with their issues, and yet the Lord still went ahead with the program, with the plan, because He wanted to finish what He had come to do. And that is to save you and me, all of us, for His honor and His glory. We're thankful for that, and so thankful that we can worship him in freedom today, still here in this land. Um, My wife said, you better tell them, nobody knows who you are, but tell them that you're Ken' daughter's brother-in-law, so that's my claim to fame this morning. (laughs) No reflection on Ken, let me tell you, but... uh, Yeah, Carol happens to be my sister. We were both born in Bolivia. I won't tell you how many decades ago, but more than six. Let's just put it that way, okay? And um, my parents went to be with the Lord a few years ago after serving in Bolivia for 61 years. In fact, they have That's where the Lord's going to pick him up when he returns soon. Amen? Yeah, he's coming. Coming soon. It might be morning, it might be noon as the song goes. He is coming soon. Anyhow, a few weeks ago, we left Bolivia right before it got really, really tense. In fact, uh, we didn't escape Bolivia. We weren't planning on that. We had planned to come to the States. In fact, I was supposed to be in Chile for 10 days, 12 days to hold two seminars and Jan was coming here, but uh, Chile also got kind of testy, as you know, and it still is testy. And Bolivia has gone through a change Not totally out of the woods. Um, Why not? Well, the president has resigned. It really wasn't a political issue, and for sure it wasn't a coup. Please, if anybody says Bolivia had a coup, that was not true. Um, The president resigned. Why do I say it wasn't a political thing? Because it really was a truck a drug issue, a drug issue. Bolivia is one of the ones that, a country that produces most of the cocaine for uh, the world. In fact, we have an international airport in an area where nobody would go apart from airplanes that are sent from Venezuela to pick up drugs, um, they land there at night, pick up tons of drugs, tons, literally, no more kilos, tons, and are exported to the rest of the world. So, why did Evo Morales, our president, not go to Venezuela? That's what we thought would be the logical place to go. They've been buddies up to now, right? Well, because it's a drug issue. That's why he went to. Mexico, Mexico having El Chapo who is now up here, not probably his favorite spot but and in his favorite hotel, but uh, El Chapo and he <coughs> had so close a relationship, although this week he said he didn't know him, but uh, <laughs> his son had a pass to go into to the congress and to be present in the senate and how could he say he didn't know El Chapo right anyhow i won't bore you with all the politics of bolivia but the reason he's in mexico is because there's a strong connection between bolivia and and mexico mexico uh, dealing with drugs, and that's uh, why he had, had to head for Mexico, and that's why he's there at this time. Um, uh, there was a, some politics, but really, drug r- drugs are the things that are really controlling the country. It got testy there at the end. And many of us were praying that this guy would not continue because some of, the, uh, some of the, the philosophy and the thinking behind Evo Morales was going backwards. We were going back to ancestral worship and that's what we were going to have to teach in schools. We have a Christian school where... Anna Caracciolo, who is here, taught, and Evelyn Pelly who some of you know, and comes to this assembly, also taught at one time. Um, the <laughs> The thinking was that we were going to it was going to be obligatory to teach teach ancestral worship and going back to Mother Earth and all this stuff. Um, we're thankful that that's we think over. Um, It all depends on if we can get our act together. You see, in Bolivia and in Latin America, a lot of folks think they can be president. And so we had eight parties uh, when we were having our election. Eight different parties, eight different candidates to be president. And you had to get 51%. There was no way in China, I better say Bolivia, that they were going to get 51%, so there was going to have to be all kinds of alliances made, formed, and we are praying that that uh, changes this time, because the Congress and the Senate is still controlled by the ex-president, so we're not going too far until we have the next elections, but we are praying that the Lord would work and, and allow us. And he who begun the good work, you know, is going to finish it. Amen? He does that work. And so we are looking forward to what the Lord has for us in the next few weeks and months for sure. Jen and I continue to work in Sucre, which is the capital of Bolivia. I know you... No La Paz as the capital city, but it really isn't, and let me tell you, there's not a lot of peace in La Paz, for sure, but we live in Sucre, and that's not sugar in French for us, that just is the name of the ex-president, the second president of Bolivia, so Sucre, Bolivia, 9,300 feet in altitude. We have free air condition all the time, let me tell you. Cool, great place, colonial city, an academic center. We have four universities. 44% of the, of, uh, the population is, is student body. They come from all over. Our assembly is in, in a large way filled with young people, university people and um, who have come from other cities to study and to prepare themselves for the future. Great place to do discipleship because from there they go out and they are able to share the Lord wherever they go and wherever the Lord were to take them. So, in part, that has been our job through these last 40 years. Incredible, 40 years. I. We came here 40 years ago, uh, and some of us were a whole lot different in that time, less round, and you know what I mean? Uh, And a whole lot different. But uh, here, the Lord has brought us 40 years later, and we have several daughter churches that have, from the assembly, that are now, we have one center for very needy children who live in the outskirts of Sucre. Uh, their parents speak Quechua, and they usually work in the market uh, loading or taking potatoes or whatever is needed to just make a few cents a day so that they can feed their family. And in uh, this particular uh, assembly, we have a, an academic help every afternoon from uh, 2 to 6 o'clock where children come, they do their homework, they hear a Bible lesson, plus they get something to eat. And uh, so we've been running that for quite a while. And we're thankful to the Lord. He has sent us a couple who speak Quechua fluently and are committed. Uh, He's an agronomist and has several degrees, but he has turned his life over to Jesus and to serving him, and we are thankful that. Um, Apart from that, the school that uh, my folks started uh, in 56 uh, still goes and we are working at at administrating it uh, by remote control and that is a real challenge usually. But uh, we thank the Lord for the way he has sent an administrator who is helping us to now get it financially stable, and um, still working on it. We're not in the black, we're a little in the red, but it's a whole lot better than what it was in the past. And I continue to travel. In fact, I was in Uruguay not too long ago to give a a seminar to leadership and those who are leading the Lord's work not all from the assemblies. In reality, I speak to a lot of people from the Assembly of God, the Pentecostal groups, and but it's all based on this good book, and that's what we teach, and that's what we share. So um, we use the Thompson uh, Reference Bible, and so everybody that comes to a seminar is able to walk away with a leather-covered Thompson Chain Reference Bible. And uh, yeah, you know, it isn't the newest one. That's a good one. Because it has no notes. And people have to study it to really get the meat out of it. But it does have a lot of helps to lead you thematically throughout uh, God's Word. In fact, this morning when we were thinking about the Lord I thought, man, I should have brought the Thompson. I could have just read all the names of Jesus. That just blesses you. You just read it out loud. All the names of Jesus. Alpha and Omega. Counselor. Mighty God. You know, you just start reading His names. And you wow, your, your heart starts beating and thanking God for that. Anyhow, thankful to the Lord to be here and thankful for your support and your help to us. Just thanking the Lord through thanksgiving. And obviously sharing with uh, our extended family, we have six kids, four of them who live here in this area. Of course, a lot of food, right? I read on Friday uh, that it would take walking about 15 miles to wear off all your meal at Thanksgiving. Well, for some it would have to be 20 miles, I'm sure, but... uh, (laughs) Thankful to the Lord. But you know what? Think of my friend. Went to high school, another MK, missionary kid. Lost his son yesterday, 36 years old. Um, Young guy with a family. Is he thankful? Is my friend thankful? Are they thankful today? We all have moments of crisis. And we all go through very difficult times. What do I need to remember when those times come in our life? Whether they be here in Southern California or they be overseas. What do I need to remember? Let me just get into the passage right away because I don't have a lot of time. John, Chapter 6. I want to refer this morning to the twin miracles. As you will remember, John has seven miracles. And they all point to the deity of Christ. That's why they are included. Not all of them are included in John. But, you know, these things have been written that you might believe. That Jesus is God, that he is deity. And these twin miracles in chapter 6 of John help us to understand his deity for sure. The first part, you have the feeding of the 5,000 men. And I'm sure it wasn't just 5,000 guys. There was 10,000, 15,000, who knows how many there were. And you know the story for sure. But as they, as they wrapped it up, and I will get back to wrapping it up, we come to verse 16, and it says, Now when evening came, I'm reading from John 6, 16. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. In fact, in Mark it says that he pushed them, he told them to go got into the boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because of a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat. Oh, drawing near the boat and they were afraid but he said to them it is i do not be afraid and then they will then they willingly received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going now i don't know what storm you're facing But for some reason, the Lord put a conviction in my heart to preach this message today. And I know that somebody here today needs to hear this word. I need to hear it, and you need to hear it also. What happens when I face a storm? We know a lot of knowledge. We have a a lot of knowledge. We have been in church. But we need to be reminded from time to time, tell me that old, old story. What do I need to remember as I look toward the future and as I face different situations? What does my friend Mike need to remember? Really tough for sure, but number one. We need to remember that God knows what He is doing. He is sovereign, and He is in charge. In the first few verses of this chapter, we see the feeding of the 5,000 or the many who were there. Man, that got Him real popular right off the bat. If he was looking for votes, this was the opportunity. In fact, everybody was was convinced, and especially his disciples were convinced. Lord, we can set up the kingdom. We can do it. Everybody's applauding you. They got fed. There's 12 baskets left over. Jesus, this is the time. But Jesus hadn't come to set up a political system. He had come to save sinners such as I am and you are, as we are. The Lord was dealing with this subtle temptation. As we find around the world today, people following Jesus, not because they want to know him, not because they want to have a relationship with Him, Uh, and and me, and you, maybe. Many times we come to Jesus because we want healing, we want money, we want, uh, you name it. But we don't want Him. In fact, in verse 26 of this same chapter, it says, Most assuredly, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, to you. you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Um, I don't want to point the finger at anyone because all I need to do is point it at myself. But why do we come to Christ? Why do we come to Jesus? Do we come because? We want Him. Now, I realize there's all kinds of levels and maturity levels in, in the spiritual walk. There's babies that all they want is milk, milk, bottle, the bottle, the bottle. So, they live on the spiritual bottle, and that's where they want to stay. But they can't receive the difficult things. They can't discern between what is right and what is wrong, according to Hebrews. uh, And I find many, many people. Then there's young men, and then there's, I won't say the old men, but I'll say the adults, who have learned to live the life and to depend on Jesus, no matter what. Think of Shadrach. Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, king, (laughs) we're not going to bow down to the image. It doesn't matter what you say. And even if our God doesn't come and work it out so we don't have to go into the oven, we're not going to follow you. You see a lot of us live just looking for the next miracle and we find that all over oh I'm a Christian I'm a Christian yeah Jesus did a miracle for us and I'm glad that he does and I usually celebrate with people always celebrate with people when they say the Lord has done a miracle but I can't stay there I gotta mature in in him i gotta i gotta become a person who loves jesus for who he is no matter what happens no matter what the storm might be jesus uses kinds of things he uses difficulties for us to realize who he is oh here i'm sure he wouldn't have any problem of me telling you this story. here my colleague, Bolivian colleague. here Disappointed with a ministry. Decided, these Christians are hypocrites. Uh, <laughs> we all have a little bit of that. But these Christians are hypocrites. So I'm going to leave the ministry and go and do my own thing. So, guess what? Went to Houston. He's a Bolivian. Went to Houston. And there he got involved in drugs Uh, the sale of drugs. He was getting the good stuff, the white stuff. Got caught. And But they didn't have enough to prove whether he was guilty or not. Put him in jail. Ogier told me, he said, when I was behind those bars, all I could think about was Jonah. Those bars were the ribs of the fish, God was giving me another chance because the authorities in Houston said, um, "Either you go through the whole process, or we send you back to your country." Ha, he said, "Send me back to my country," and that's what the Lord used in the life of Ojeda to get him back into ministry today he has a tremendous ministry in government and on that scene God knows what he's doing that's tough sometimes to to accept that he knows what he's doing what he's uh, what needs to be worked out in my life you see the lord says go to the other side Did he know there was going to be a storm? Yes, of course he did. He knew there was going to be difficulty. He knew that they were going to face a storm. And he knows that you and I will be facing storms too. Um, But the Lord had a reason. And he has a reason for you to be going through that storm at this time. What had they forgotten? That as they started going up on that storm and going through the storm, that He had just done a miracle of feeding over 10,000 people. So quickly we forget what He has done in the past. That's why I love that hymn, Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One. In fact, I was looking for it in the hymn book. I can't find it, but... Um, the Lord knows what He's doing in my life and in your life today. That difficulty with that relationship, that difficulty with the family, the financial difficulty, He knows what He's doing. It isn't a surprise to Him. He knows. One day, my dad was going to help some believers. And there was a problem about land. And so they had set the date and the hour when they were going to meet. Well, my dad had to travel six hours by Jeep, his Jeep. Old clunker, Jeep. Great Jeep. But as he's going through a river, the water comes up, hits the fan, and part of the fan comes off. Guess where the fan went? Right into the radiator. And you know what? Without a radiator, you don't go too far. It just kind of creamed the radiator. (laughs) That's where the water goes, folks. Cools off the engine. And so it creams the radiator. My dad is, why did this happen? Why didn't I go into this river slower? Why didn't I, right? He has all, my dad's angry. So he has to go back into the, the small town to get it soldered. So they have to do surgery, right, on this radiator. Well, this set him back. Well, they put it all together. He starts out, and he arrives at this place 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And they said, and he's, he's all apologetic, and they said, Don Eugenio. That was my dad's name. Don Don Eugenio. He said, don't worry. It's good you didn't arrive at 2 o'clock in the afternoon because the people here were very angry and they were all set to do you harm. (laughs) Thankful to the Lord that the... he had had problems with the car and that the fan had come off and that uh, he couldn't arrive on time like he had expected to arrive. Do you believe Romans 8, 28? All things turn out for good. No. All things work together you believe that? Amen. Amen. They all work together for good. Okay, I better put the accelerator on here. Number two, he not only knows what he's doing, number two, he wants to pray for you. That just blows me out of the water. To think that God wants to pray, his son prays, For me and for you. When he had put them in the boat, he went up to the mountain to pray. That's what Mark says. Though they could not see him, he could see them. You see, a lot of times we are so involved in our problem. We are so taken up with our problem. We don't see the Lord. We don't see him working. We don't see him dealing in our life. We become discouraged. When Jesus was monitoring everything that was going on, all the time he was doing it. He he had control of the situation. But he was up there praying for them. Somebody had a dream that all these believers were weighed down with burdens. And the worst thing was that uh, as time went on, the burdens became bigger and bigger and bigger, and they could hardly walk. And the guy comes to the Lord and says, come, you're letting them be overloaded. He said, because once they are so heavy and so overloaded, they will be willing to give me their problems. And I not only will carry their problems, but I will carry them. You see a verse such as Hebrews that says He always lives to make intercession for them. You believe Uh, If there's such a thing as time in heaven, 724, he is always interceding for us because he understands and he knows and he feels with us and he knows he's been through it himself. Number three. We need to remember that he is ready to help. Ready to help. Uh, let's remember they were in a storm out of obedience. Obedience. The Lord had told them, get in the boat, man. Get get with it. Go across. They weren't there out of disobedience. They weren't running. They They had been commanded by the Lord. Why had the Lord told them to get in the boat and go? Because this popularity thing was going and was going to take the focus away from his mission, what he had come to do. Uh, and the Lord knew the temptation on Peter's part. Type A, right? Hey Amen, that was really getting with it. He, uh, you know, organizational, uh, they could get together and they could do all these things and, uh, you know, set up government now. But the Lord said, get in the boat go across. So they were being obedient. All to say that just because we have difficulties does not mean we're out of the will of God. You might be going through a hard time and it doesn't necessarily mean you're out of His will. Sometimes He allows those things because uh, we need to refocus and rethink. My dad, as I have read, but my dad always used to say to me, don't doubt in the dark for God has shown you in the light. Don't doubt him. If the Lord has told you to do this, uh, believe in him. He He will get it done. He's willing to help. Peter (laughs) says, Lord, he sees the Lord coming on the water, and he says, Lord, if it's you, say that I come too. Now, let's not be too hard on Peter, right? In fact, he was pretty gutsy, type A, right? He's ready to do it. He was (laughs) willing to step out of the boat. I'm not sure I would be. But then again, I probably wouldn't see the miracle that Peter saw. If we're not willing to step out of the boat and believe that God is able to do way above that I have thought or even imagined, um, I'll never see that miracle. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, say that I can come. And The Lord said, Pete, come, man, come. And he did. And we know what happened. (laughs) Got his eyes off the Lord, and uh, he started to go down. But two lessons that we need to remember are these. Number one, that the water that was over his head was under Jesus' feet. Just think about that. The water that was over his head was under Jesus' feet. Uh, When we're overtaken and we can't bring ourselves to say, thank you, Lord. Just remember, he has it under control. And he wants to help. And number two, the power of his feet depended on the focus of his eyes. What was Peter's worst enemy? It wasn't the waves. It wasn't the storm. It was his doubt. Because it was because of his doubt that he went down. He quit looking at the Lord and he went down. Uh, Last point need to remember that He will take care of us. Christ came about three in the morning, it was dark. It was really dark. I'm not a sea person to tell you the truth. maybe because every time I've been on it, I just get really sick. You know what I mean? Like, you just look all around and you say, I wish I could get off this boat, but I can't, you know. And all this water, and it's still going up and down, going up and down. And oh, you're sick, 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 so sick. The Jesus came. Um, <laughs> four miracles that happened that day. Jesus walked on water, Peter walked on water, calmed the storm, and number four, he got them to the shore real fast, like now, right? Because Jesus was going to take care of the situation and the problem. Know what? He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of me. And He has promised if we keep on focusing on Him, He will fulfill His promise and His desire to help us out. So, keep focus on the Lord. Keep your focus on Him. Keep praying. Keep singing some hymns such as turn your eyes upon Jesus, look fully in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. My son was in Yemen. He had been in Iraq during the conflict and was sent to go to Yemen with three other buddies. Yemen, hot, desert, terribly desert, terribly hot. So he is sent to go to Yemen. And there were three other guys in the car, hot, 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 hot. The engine cuts out. There's hardly anything around. It's desert. Few shacks, one shack. My son gets out of the car, opens the hood to see what had happened. Car cuts out. They didn't know why. Bloom, bloom, Turns off. So as he's kind of checking it out, the other guys have gotten out, a guy from one of these shacks starts coming close, Yemeni. And the Yemeni looks at these guys and says, Do one of you know how to speak Spanish? Because he knew that in the States people have to take a little Spanish. Un poquito, a lo menos. They got to know at least how to say C. Sí. So obviously my son says, yes, I know how to speak Spanish. He says, what's going on? So we start looking checking it out. And my son turns to him and he says, how do you know Spanish? Oh, he says, our government wanted us to learn agronomy, so they sent us to Cuba. And I learned Spanish. My son looks at him, says, you know Spanish? You've been to Cuba? By the way, he says, isn't it you who I met in Lebanon? Just think of it. Thousands of miles away from Yemen to Lebanon. This isn't around the corner. This is like thousands of miles away. Lebanon, Yemen. The guy looks at Nathan, my son, and he says, Well, yeah. He says, Wow, yeah, we have met before. Coincidence? Not in your life. <laughs> I am sure the Lord had placed that guy there that knew my son. <laughs> in the desert of Yemen, find a guy who he had met in Lebanon. This is Nathan, my son, and met this guy in Lebanon two years before. This guy, this Lebanese, or this Yemenese, told my son, I'll fix your car. I'll fix your car. You ask him, what was wrong? Well, uh, the points—they have a little, 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 the old style had a little, a little plastic thing that would make it go up and cause the spark. That was gone. He so, said, "I'll fix it for you. No matter how hot the desert you're in, no matter what storm you're in, He is there." Are you willing to trust him? You know, I imagine most of the folks who are here have put their faith in Christ. But maybe you're just a churchgoer. It's a good thing to do on Sunday. You're going through the storm. God wants to do the first big time miracle in your life. He wants you to be His son or daughter. And all you gotta do is open your heart. Believe on Jesus. And just ask Him to be your Savior. But for you who know Jesus deep in the hole, deep in the storm, remember he knows what he's doing. He has prayed for you already today. He knows what you're in. And he wants to help. He will take care. Like to sing a hymn? Is that too Is that okay? Four ninety-five. Can we sing it? The red book. I don't know if the piano player is here or some piano player, because I don't know how to sing it. But there's somebody that can play the piano. I should have asked her. Before. She's not here. Okay, I blew it. Okay, well, wow, that's too bad. Okay, four ninety-five. Somebody know. Can start it for us. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Start it for me, please. Oh, so <laughs> Jesus, thank you for your encouragement through your word today. Thank you that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And that you're working in us every day to make us more like yourself. And to prepare us for that day when we will be with you forever and ever. Lord, I pray for that person who is going through the storm. May may your word encourage and bring them closer to you. May they take your hand today and sense your salvation in their life, we pray. Thank you for bringing us here.